0: Weekly broadcast given to you by the Apologetics Team in Ghana to expose and enlighten you on the truth as prescribed by the Scripture on various issues in our world. The Bible says in Psalm 9 verse 130 that the entrance of His Word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. God bless you as you enjoy today's message. Oh,
1: true, yeah, full, on you to remember Jesus. Oh, Cassama, Coma, Toye, Dawful Tejesus name in day. New be. Let's worship for five minutes. It is not about
2: Pensa, it is not about Daniel, it is not about you, it is not about me. It should be about Christ. Jesus. Jesus. I want us to worship for five minutes, just five minutes. Somebody free yourself. Free yourself.
1: This is about you.
2: This is about the son of
1: baby, Jesus. care? On you Jesus. Oh, come
2: one minute to pray that Father, this is the hour, this is the time that communicates to me that which I have never heard before that open my eyes open my eyes that I may see open my eyes that I may see for Paul prayed and he said wherefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all things cease not to give thanks for you making mention of in my prayers, that the God our Lord Jesus Christ May give unto you The spirit of wisdom The spirit of wisdom And revelation The spirit of wisdom And revelation Beloved You can't see Jesus But by revelation You can't know Jesus But by revelation It is not by the multitude of books It is not by multitude of prayer It is by revelation You want to pray That all God right here, right now, under the sound of my voice, whoever is under the sound of my voice, you want to pray the Lord, open my eyes,
1: open my eyes.
2: The scepter shall not depart out of Judah nor a lawgiver between his feet. Until Shiloh comes, unto him shall the garden of the people be. <laughs> oh, thank you. For it is the fountain of life. In thy light we see light. For you shall make us be satisfied with the abundance of thy house. And we shall drink of the rivers of thy pleasures. For it is the fountain of life. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. Thank you, Father. This morning we appreciate you. Give all trust unto us. Shed abroad in eternal proportions in this place in the name of Jesus. That in the end only Christ shall be known and only Christ shall be communicated. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians. I'm um, sorry, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. I really like KJV. I really, really like KJV. So you'd want to bear with me. Philippians 3, verse 8 to 10. All right. Now, allow me to acknowledge the presence of the Pensa president and all the executives. I salute you. Thank you so much for this opportunity to minister to the saints. It is an honor to stand before great men and women to speak the word of God. Amen. Um, I was told that this is um, Bible studies wing, specifically in Pensa. It is Bible studies wing. If I was invited to FOJ, then I would sing more songs and then I would be by us. So now that it is Bible studies, I believe that everyone, everyone here is a Bible student and a good one. And so, um, when we begin to quote scriptures or we begin to read from the Bible, I would expect that we deal with every matter of the scripture. For example, this is a, um, Philippians. I keep mentioning Ephesians. This is Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Now, Paul says something very simple. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, say all things. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Semicolon. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. How many times has he mentioned loss? Twice. Okay. Let me read it again. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the laws of all things, and do count them but refuse that I may win Christ. Please continue. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God by faith. Amen. This is written by Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul of Tarsus, we know him, the one who wrote two tests of the Bible. And he begins to talk about in verse 8, he's Started to talk about the fact that he, when he came to Christ, he had to leave certain things. He had to um, count certain things lost. The word at the dang is actually refuse. Cow dang. The, the um, you know, cow, cow dang. That's what he counted. But which things did he count lost? When you read from verse 1, he started to mention certain um, Credentials that he had obtained in a natural life. You know, the chapter is talking about Jewish Christians. When they became believers and some Gentile believers, okay. When they became Christians, the Jewish believers wanted them to circumcise. They wanted them to circumcise so that they are, whatever, Paul didn't know whether their salvation should be full or not. He wanted them to circumcise. And then Paul wrote and told them that when you come to Christ, circumcision or all circumcision doesn't avail anything. But what counts is the new creation. And he was trying to tell them that do not listen to them that tell you to circumcise. Because we are of the circumcision who have no confidence in the flesh but rejoiceth in the spirit. And then he continued to say that those people want you to circumcise so that they would begin to boast or they will begin to glory in your members. That is Maybe I see Brother Douglas and I tell somebody that, oh, because of me, he got born again. That was the problem Paul was facing. And then he began to list certain things. I think from verse 3. He started to say that those people want to boast. If anybody wants to boast about anything, me, I can boast more than all of them. Then he began to list them. I am an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin. A Pharisee of Pharisee. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching religion. He was a zealot, a zealous one. And we can attest to that fact in Acts chapter 9 when he went to Damascus to persecute the church. And one statement that he made, please verse 3, one statement that he made that is really shocking. That is why, all right, that is why he came down, he mentioned about righteousness. He was saying that as touching the righteousness that is in the law, he was blameless. Can anybody in this room stand up and tell me that out of the law of Moses, 613, you have not broken one? I'm waiting for you. Do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery, all those things. We know about the Ten Commandments. We have, those are the moral laws, we have ceremonial laws, civic, civic laws, and all that. They were together one unit. So, um, James says that when you break one, you break all. Now, Paul says that He is a Pharisee of Pharisees. Let me remind you that when Jesus Christ came to the earth, he said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you can't go to heaven. Which means that the Pharisees maintained a very high standard of righteousness. But Paul stood on his feet and said that, according to the righteousness that is of the law, I am blameless. Which means that he never broke the law at one place. He was the same person... Which in Romans, chapter 3, he said that for the, if you want to be justified by the law, you cannot survive. For by the law shall no man be justified. Yet he comes to Philippians and says that as righteousness touching the law, he's blameless. That is not my point this morning. And then he started to count many, many things that in those days, it is like the son of Bill Gates or the son of Akufuado saying that, Look at me. I am the son of a president. I attended Harvard. I graduated from Yale. I read law. I now have double masters. I am now a professor. But all those things I counted for one thing. He counted all those things lost for one thing. Let's read from verse 8 again. Now you see the focus of the chapter. He counted all those things for one thing. He shunned everything that he had obtained in a natural life for just one thing. And I count all things but loss for the excellency. The word excellence is something that is transcendent, surpassing, out of the world, extraordinary and supernatural. He said that the knowledge of Christ is excellent. Now, I always say this, that you might have heard about Jesus or you might have heard about God or you might have Um, you know, read something about him. But when it comes to knowing him, you know, there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. Amen? There's a difference, a clear difference. Now, this is also from the book of Philippians. I always tell my people that, for me, if you invite me and give me a scripture, be careful. Because I will deal with the scripture before I start my message. Okay. Now, this is from the book of Philippians. When you look at Paul's ministry, okay, he started ministry around A.D. 44. According to church church historians, he started between A.D. 40 and 44. And he ministered ministered about, is it 34, sorry, A.D. 34. And then he ministered, went through all the um, Asia Minor and wherever he went to preach. And then he died in AD 64 when Emperor Nero killed him, beheading him in Rome. Now, this book was among the last book he wrote. Among the last books, the last books he wrote, the earlier books he wrote were Thessalonians, Romans, um, 1st and 2nd Timothy. The last books he wrote were Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians. It is actually believed that Philippians was the last book he wrote. Now, Look at somebody who has ministered over 30 years in ministry. 30 years in ministry. Now he comes to tell you that he counted everything that he had obtained in the natural life as loss. To obtain the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He went on to say that I may know him. I think Paul was mad. What do you think? After ministering for 30 years, you have the audacity to say that, that you may know him. Now I ask Paul. What are, whom have you been preaching? Because at the point he says that... Whom we preach and teach... That you may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now he comes to say that... That I may know him. Which means that... Of course... This Christ is a great Christ indeed. Look... It doesn't come by the multitude of books that you have read. Else... The Muslim clerics will know Christ better than we do. Actually... When sometimes I stand to minister and I begin to quote some scriptures because I don't want to hold my big Bible and then be walking up and down there. They begin to clap. Then I get sad. Because one Muslim cleric can stand and quote 100 scriptures in one minute. He just knows the scriptures. He doesn't know the person of the scriptures which we are about to study this morning. We are going to deal with some topics that by the time you walk out of the door, it will change your thinking. I just came not to teach you, but to engage your mind. You know, sometimes we come to a point, we, 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 we think that Christianity is, you know, um, kill joy. Oh, I, I don't know how to put it. That's a, and this Jesus thing we talk about, this God thing we talk about is some abstract, impersonal force of reality. That um, the book is just a collection of history and geography and events and warfare and medicine and capitals and countries and their capitals and their kings and I always start ministering by teaching the laws of logic. You see, we have some two laws that I love. Every day I'll say it. Every day, the things I say, they are the same things I'll repeat. You see, we have the law of non contradiction and the law of exclusive middle. The law of non contradiction is saying that it is either we are in UIC or we are not, it is either A or B. The law of exclusive middle. It is either A or B. The law of non contradiction says that an entity cannot be A and B at the same time. So we cannot be in UIC now and be in self auditorium 900 at the same time. Either we are here or we are there. Amen. So when we approach scripture, when we approach truth, biblical truth, we have to ask ourselves, is this thing true or not? It cannot be both at the same time. Amen. Now, so I have told you that this knowledge of Christ is excellent. John chapter 17, verse 3. Simple statement. Now, Jesus Christ stands at the end of his ministry and he begins to talk about something. How many of us believe we have eternal life here? Please shoot up your hand. If you know in yourself you have eternal life, shoot up your hand. If you know that you know that you know you have eternal life, please shoot up your hand. Thank you. God bless you. If you are here and you doubt... This is no shame. I'm coming to correct your thinking right now. If you are here and you doubt that you have eternal life, please, let's read. And this is life eternal. This is, he's come to explain what eternal life is. And this is life eternal that they may know. Now, let me explain this one. In Ephesians chapter three, verse 13 and 14, Paul says that, that, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, Literally, it will sound nonsensical in our ears because how can you know something that passes knowledge? It's like, I come here and I tell you that I am a married bachelor. I am a married bachelor, you see. And to know the love of Christ and to know the love of Christ passes knowledge. When you read it in English, it is deceptive. That is why sometimes some of the preachers will go back to the Greek. Not because they want to show they are scholarly, but because English is a weak language. It's weak. One word in Greek can mean seven sentences in in the English language. We will see. We will discover for ourselves. Now, two words stand for knowledge in the Bible. One is gnosis. G-N-O-S-I-S. That is sense knowledge. Knowledge that comes by the senses. Or that which we call science. What we call science. That is the first knowledge that we know. But there is another kind of gnosis. That has the prefix epi. Which means epignosis. Epignosis is accurate, precise, intuitive knowledge. That doesn't come by observation. So Jesus Christ said that the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. We walk by faith. Not by. He's talking about Revealed knowledge. Knowledge that you don't acquire by observing the systems and the world. You know, that is why science can only discover God, but cannot refute God. Actually, when science tries to refute, they end up supporting the evidence that is, that points to the fact that God actually exists. So the universe is only trying to catch up. Science is only trying to catch up with God. So we have two knowledge. So Paul was actually saying that, and to have a revealed inward experiential knowledge of the life of the love of Christ that cannot be contained by reading books. Amen. So let's, that is the same knowledge that he is using here. It is an intimate fellowship with the truth. You don't just have it in the head, but you have it right here in the heart. Amen. He says that, and this is life eternal that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is life eternal, that they may know, that they may what? So when you know Jesus, it means you have eternal life. It comes by the knowledge of Christ, which is excellent. Amen? Good. Now, we we have realized that it is the most important matter in the whole universe. It is that which matters and it is that which God seeks to obtain. I don't want to go ahead of myself because my time is very limited. But in the beginning of time, I always say that I love the book of Ephesians for one reason. Whenever I mount a pulpit, if I don't quote from Ephesians, then it is not me. The reason is very simple. In the mind of God, Ephesians precedes Genesis. In the mind of God, Ephesians precedes Genesis. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 starts like this. Let me go to Genesis first. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, we all know. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You come to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, down to 4. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which has blessed us with, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now listen, according as he has chosen us in him, before the foundations of the world, well, that we should be holy and without blame, before him in love. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. If time permits, we'll come back to this verse and we'll explain Which means that before God ever formed in Genesis, he had already predestined man in his mind. So, Genesis is just God's work revealed in time. Efficiency is God's work revealed in eternity. That is where Christ originates from. He is the beginning of no beginning. How can you say I'm the way? I am the first and the last. The beginning and the end. Do you know that you can be first but not the beginning? Oh, come on. He is both first and beginning. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fine. Now, it is important. Why are we even talking about Christ? If you are a very good church historian, or maybe you might have read something, you can realize that the greatest assault of hell, you know, hell is always moved to its center when you begin to talk about the Son of Man. Hell is moved and Bent on distorting and changing Christ from who he really is to something different. You know, nothing is dangerous than something that is near the truth, but not the truth. I asked an has God said you should not eat of every tree in the garden? You know how he brands it. Has God said you should not eat from every tree? He he he, he perverts the truth. That is Satan. The greatest assault on on the church or on any doctrine. If you talk about faith, nobody has a problem with you. If you talk about God, you know, you have not said anything. I always say it. When you talk about, do you believe in God? I believe in God. You have not said anything. You have not done anything. Because if we enter the world and we call for everybody that believes in God, Christians, Muslims, Shintoists, um, Hindus, Muslims, every other religion, all those that believe in some form of deity will come. But the only distinguishing factor is Christ. Amen? So it is important. Now, um, let's do some church history shortly. We call something adoptionism. When the first century church started, around AD 35, 36, that was the first heresy that entered the church. We call it adoptionism, which posits that Jesus Christ was a man like every one of us. That shouldn't be a mistake. But he was holy man. Like 100% man and 0% God. The time he entered into Godhood was when he resurrected. Now, this sounds like the truth. It sounds almost like the truth. But it fails in one aspect. When Jesus Christ always encountered false doctrine, he said something. He said that you err. Listen carefully. And that is the same thing happening today. False doctrine doesn't come because people have chosen to preach false doctrine. False doctrine comes because, and we err because we do not know the scriptures, nor the power of God. We don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. Now, adoptionism is false. Why? Because the son of God was in eternity, the son of God, before he came to be incarnated as man. Because Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says something very simple. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Whom being in the form of God. So there is a form of God. God has a form. Moses said, uh, God, you know what? God said, yes. He said, can we have some romance more? God said, Charlie, I'm, I'm serious. The Israelites, they are messing up. What do you want me to do? Said, "Okay, if okay, if, if you will not go to, with us to this place, then can you show me your selfie?" God said, No, no, no. In Exodus chapter 33, God said, No, I will show you my back parts. And the Bible says that God told Moses that for my form you can't see. You get there. Why he told Moses that? So there is a, a certain category called God, there is a certain form of God. In that state was Jesus Christ. Before incarnation. Before. So he was eternally God who became man. That is the era of adoptionism. So it wasn't like Jesus Christ was like me and then when he resurrected, he achieved the status of Godhood. Like, so there's a bigger God and then there's a smaller God. Some kind of a henotheism. It is wrong. It is wrong. False. Before we end, you know who God is and you even know his name. I know some of us think God's name is Jehovah. God's, God's name is not Jehovah. I'm telling you, it is not God bless you for listening to this message. We
0: hope you are blessed and equipped as you have been exposed to the light in the word of God. For sponsorship and other expositions, please call this line 0547-810-722. You can also email us on apollotv.w at gmail.com. Like our Facebook page on Apollo TV or follow us on Twitter, Apollo TV. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Apollo TV. God bless you. stay connected to the light.